students this is your dr prats and welcome to my master class today we're going to start a very important series on odontogenic cysts so cysts which arise from odontogenic epithelium is what we're going to talk about and in today's class we're going to see how a cyst is formed how is it initiated how it expands and what is the recent classification from WHO for the odontogenic cysts. Let's roll. So the cysts of the oral cavity includes not only odontogenic cysts but also non-odontogenic cysts that we'll understand when we talk about the classification. So all our presentations are based on a questioning format we always begin by understanding what is the pathology that is nothing but the definition. The second question is why do we need to know it? In this case, we need to understand the cysts of the oral cavity because as dentists, we come across it more often than the physicians. And some of the cysts are very aggressive in nature and are associated with some kind of a syndrome and it is important for us to refer the patient to a general physician. That is why we need to know this pathology very well. The third question usually in all the presentation are three hows, that is how did it occur, how are you going to diagnose it and how are you going to treat it, but today we are just going to understand how the cyst occurs. This will be followed by brief summary and multiple choice question at the end. Every lesson has to have a learning objective and for today's lesson it is define a cyst, describing the basic concepts of cyst initiation, formation and enlargement and the latest classification of cysts given by WHO. It was Kramer in 1974 who gave the definition of a cyst. So he said that it is a pathologic cavity. It is not a normal cavity because there are a lot of cavities in our body. If you must know, there are a lot of anatomical cavities. So a cyst is not a normal, normally occurring cavity. It is a pathologic cavity and it contains either fluid, semi-fluid, or gaseous contents. It is not limited to any particular one. It can be either fluid, semi-fluid, or even gaseous. And this is not created by the accumulation of pus, which is very important because there is another cavity which is pathological and contains pus. That is nothing but an abscess. So that's how you differentiate a cyst from an abscess, that abscess contains pus and cyst does not form by the accumulation of pus. And it is frequently, but might not be all the time, lined by epithelium. So that forms the definition of cyst. When you're uh, understanding the definition of any pathology, a lot of things come into picture. So you understand that it is a pathological entity which is like a cavity in appearance and what are its contents 
and it is its etiology is not by the formation of pus and histopathology that it is lined by epithelium and that is the reason why students you must know the definition of a pathology it makes your life easier to remember the other things which are related to the pathology so let me show you a picture to make you understand it better so this is the cavity okay so the lumen of the cyst it is called as which is nothing but cystic cavity and that is surrounded or lined by epithelium so it's called as an epithelial lining and that is supported by a connective tissue wall around that so there is a cavity followed by epithelial lining and below that is the connective tissue wall or the capsule connective tissue capsule again another picture showing the same the cystic cavity or the cystic lumen epithelial lining and the connective tissue wall or connective tissue capsule so in this picture basically it is depicting that the epithelial lining can be of so many different types so it can be stratified squamous epithelium or it could be pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelium especially in association with maxillary sinus or it could just be a few layer of any squamous epithelial cell the classification given by main and kramer is accepted by the who and is still followed today so it is broadly classified as developmental cysts and inflammatory cysts so this is the main two classification and under developmental cyst there is odontogenic cyst and non odontogenic cyst so the odontogenic cysts are odontogenic keratocyst follicular cyst eruption cyst alveolar cyst of infant gingival cyst of adults and developmental lateral periodontal cyst non odontogenic cyst this we will study at the end of all the cysts that is mid palatal cyst of infants nasopalatine duct cyst and nasolabial cyst and inflammatory cyst that is follicular cyst radicular cyst and inflammatory lateral periodontal cyst let's start with the pathogenesis it is classified into three different steps or stages you can call it as initiation of the cyst that is starting formation of the cyst and enlargement of the cyst so these are the three stages of the pathogenesis of a cyst or how a cyst is formed the cyst initiation is mainly by the cell rests so from the oral histology again we have to go back a flashback is required at this point of time so this is the enamel organ yeah this is the bell stage so there is dental papilla there is dental sac and this is the enamel organ and this is your dental lamina which is connecting the enamel organ to the oral epithelium correct so as soon as the hard tissue formation begins the dental lamina starts disintegrating okay so this forms 
clumps of cells which are seen especially within the periodontium and other soft tissue uh, within the oral cavity so these remnants of dental lamina are called as cell rests of serrae the other cell rest which we know of are cell rests of malazus so these are the remnants of hertwig's epithelial root sheath hertwig's epithelial root sheath is what forms the root and once the root formation is almost completed the sheath disintegrates to form clumps of cells and that is called as cell rest of malazus so these two cell rests have the capacity to proliferate all their life that is the unique feature of these two cell rests whenever there is any kind of trigger they're capable of undergoing proliferation so this is how they occur uh, so this is the periodontium as you can see and you can see that they occur as clumps of cells so these are the cell rests enamel organ itself could also be a reason for the cyst initiation and even the basal cells of oral epithelium could contribute so all these are different factors which are responsible for the initiation of the cyst let's let's see how the cyst forms so there is a proliferation of the cell rests or any other cells which are capable of undergoing proliferation with a high mitotic index and these eventually form a sphere of cells so this sphere as it grows bigger there is a lack of nutrient which is reaching the center of the cell so as you can see it has grown very big and the surrounding connective tissue is incapable of reaching the nutrient to the center that results in the death and disquamation of the central cells and that results in a central liquefaction necrosis so now a cavity is formed okay so there was a proliferation in the beginning a sphere is formed and central cells do not receive nutrition and undergo a cavity formation let's see what happens next how this becomes enlarged to form a cyst a complete cyst so once the cavity is formed there are several factors by which there is an enlargement of the cyst okay and eventually that is lined by this epithelial cells which were around um, the cavity and uh, the connective tissue wall around it to complete the cystic picture so the first explanation is that there is an attraction of fluid into the cystic cavity that is ingression of fluid so because of this the fluid gets retained within the cavity there are some factors which are responsible for this that we'll discuss later but remember that there is an influx of fluid and there is a retention of this fluid 
this increases the hydrostatic pressure within the cavity right and this hydrostatic pressure in turn results in the expansion so it's not just the fluid influx it's also the hydrostatic pressure both of them together result in the expansion of the cyst the next factor is the resorption of the surrounding bone so this is a cyst and it is present within the bone adjacent to the tooth and the bone you know is a hard structure so there has to be some amount of resorption of bone for the cyst to enlarge so the cyst releases prostaglandin e2 and 3 among all other bone resorption factors this results in osteoclast activation you know osteoclasts are the cells which results in bone resorption so they resorb the bone around and hence results in further cystic enlargement i hope that is clear and these are all synthesized by fibroblasts which are present within the capsule that is the connective tissue capsule and also by pmnls and monocytes the other theory which was explained by main harris and polar said that increased hyperosmolarity further draws in the fluid from the surrounding tissue because the cyst wall acts like a semi-permeable membrane so this increased hyperosmolarity depends upon the amount of protein which is present so based on the amount of protein either the fluid is retained or it is pushed out so those were the theories of cystic enlargement so let's just go through a quick summary of the cyst formation initiation and enlargement so the initiation happens because of the cell rest of serrae, cell rest of melasses, basal cells of oral epithelium, enamel organ itself. Once the proliferation results in a big sphere, the central cells stop receiving nutrition from the surrounding connective tissue resulting in a cavity. This cavity enlarges by different mechanism mainly by the ingression of the fluid which is retained inside resulting in increased hydrostatic pressure that further enlarges the cyst the second explanation is by the bone resorption the surrounding bone is resorbed by the prostaglandin e2 and e3 which are released from the cyst that activates the osteoclasts and results in resorption and the third is by the increased hyperosmolarity which depends upon the protein content within the cystic cavity so that's how a cyst is formed like i always say do not get overwhelmed by all the information remember we started with understanding the definition of a cyst that it is a pathologic cavity it can have fluid, gas, or semi-solid substance within it. Not necessary that it should be always lined by an epithelium, but it frequently is. And differentiation factor is that it is not formed by the accumulation of pus, which is nothing but an abscess. Okay. Etiopathogenesis was classified into initiation, formation and enlargement which we just discussed. 
and classification by WHO is broadly classified as developmental and inflammatory and under developmental there is odontogenic and non-odontogenic. Again the table is put up for your reference about the classification. We'll be studying all these cysts in the coming presentations. So the MCQ for today is increased hyperosmolarity further draws in the fluid from the surrounding tissue as the cyst wall is a semi-permeable membrane and is associated with the increased content of which one of these? Is it interleukin? Is it tumor necrosis factor? Is it transforming growth factor or is it protein? So although these might be very tempting to select, especially tumor necrosis factor or TGF, you might think that these are sounding very important and maybe that is the answer but although these are all indirectly responsible in uh, uh, the cyst etiopathogenesis but the hyperosmolarity itself is because of the protein content so the answer is protein just a sneak peek of what's coming ahead uh, this is a pie chart which is showing you the occurrence of the cysts and the percentage so as you can see radicular cyst makes up for the most that is 52.3 percent followed by the follicular cyst or the dentigerous cyst and then the keratocyst so we'll study all of them in the coming presentations so stay tuned and if you liked my today's presentation please like and subscribe and share it with your friends ask me any doubts in the comments below and also let me know if any other topics you would like me to uh, explain for you and for more such mcqs please visit my website and there are a plenty amount of mcqs for you to practice and learn Thank you and keep smiling. These are of course some of my references for today's uh, presentation. All standard textbooks of oral pathology and a particular textbook for the cysts of the oral region itself by Marvin Shia. Thanks again.